Welcome to the Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church Podcast, your place for positive, uplifting messages of hope. You can learn more about us at fredericksdachurch.org. Evangelism. Is it about something we do or is it something we become? Today, Robert Quintana sheds light on what it means to reach out to others and how to make it a part of our everyday lives. In part one of A World of Opportunity. Not too long ago, about a year ago, I got a call from a very good friend of mine who is a pastor, a pastor friend. And he called me and he said, uh, Q, he says, I-, I need your help. I need your advice. I need to know what to do. I'm afraid, he says to me, I have a situation in my church that's, that's uh, getting out of control and, and I'm having a hard time knowing how to go about it. And so he goes on to share with me what this issue was that he was dealing with at his church. And this was it. He said to me, my church is having a debate on what evangelism is. What is evangelism? And it seems like everyone in the church has an opinion on what evangelism is or how you go about evangelism. And if I had to guess, if I was to take a poll here and ask every one of you to give me a definition of the word evangelism, I'm pretty confident that we would get two dozen different definitions for evangelism or how a church or an individual needs to go about evangelizing. Let me just throw out a few scenarios for you. I'd like for you to answer this question. You don't have to raise your hand, but just answer this question in your head. Ask yourself, is the scenario that the pastor is describing, is it evangelism? So I want you to ask yourself, is it evangelism? Okay, so scenario number one. The early teen class, instead of meeting for Sabbath school and studying a lesson this morning, they get into cars and they go to a neighborhood where they go door to door, knocking on doors for the express purpose of praying with individuals with any prayer requests that they might have. Is that evangelism. Let's say, well, I heard some of you say, yes, it is. (laughs) Let's say that the Pathfinder Club decides that they're going to go to the nursing home and for two hours, they're going to sing songs and then somewhere in between those songs, the youth pastor gets up and shares a few words, maybe five, ten minutes, words of encouragement, words of hope, Is that evangelism? All right. How about Vacation Bible School? We invite the community to come into this church, and for a whole week, we share with young men and women, with our children, not only from this church, but from the community, the good news of Jesus Christ and the message of Jesus Christ. Is that evangelism? We have the Christmas program that's coming. December 3rd, mark it on your calendars. We also have the school Christmas program that's going to follow just about a couple weeks after that. 
where we again invite friends and family, we invite the community, and we sing songs about Jesus Christ, and we share through song the message of Jesus Christ, is that evangelism? How about if we decide to invite an evangelist to come to our church and maybe ask some Bible workers to join us, and for 22 nights... We preach and we share with the community the good news of Jesus Christ. Is that evangelism? I want to share with you. I appreciate that. You guys know I like to walk around. That that microphone could have been the banana peel. (laughs) I want to share with you a few more scenarios in scripture. And again, I want you to ask the question, is what is taking place, is it evangelism? And so I'd like for you to turn to the book of John, John chapter four, our first biblical scenario here. John chapter four. John chapter four Starting with verse 1, if your Bibles have headings, it's going to say something like, a Samaritan woman meets her Savior. Many of us have heard this story many times. If you grew up in church, you've heard this story many times. Jesus is passing through this town, and he is waiting at the, at the well while his disciples go to the town to gather food, to get food somewhere. And while he's waiting at the well, a woman comes up and they begin a discussion. They start talking back and forth. And there, Jesus shares with her the good news of who he is. And so he says to her, listen, if you drink from the water that I have to offer you, you will never thirst again. And so they have this discussion and she is so impressed. I mean, she is so taken back. She is so overwhelmed by what he has to say that we pick up the story here in verse 39. She goes back to the town and this is what it says. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified, he told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. Then they said to the woman, now we believe, not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him and we know that this indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. So is what is taking place here, is that evangelism? Is the woman receiving from Christ the truth and then going back to her town and sharing the message or the good news, is that evangelism? Maybe, maybe not, I think so. It kind of sounds like evangelism. It, it might not fall into the, you know, my, my traditional view of evangelism, but I mean, I guess it's evangelism, right? Is it evangelism? He or she is going back. Okay, so now, if you say that it is evangelism, I need to point something out. 
that this woman had no schooling to become an evangelist. In fact, this woman's history up until this point was not a very good one in that she was living outside of God's plan or God's will for her life. But now all of a sudden she has received truth and now she is going and she is sharing it with someone else. So for all of you that think that this is evangelism, you now need to put yourself in her shoes. And you need to be very aware that for you now to say, well, I'm not ready or I'm not prepared or I don't have the training, got to face that now. Because we see a woman going out, evangelizing, who's had no training. Is this evangelism? All right, let's go to scenario number two. Go to the book of Psalms. Go to the book of Psalms. Psalms chapter 51. It was our scripture reading for today. Psalms chapter 51. Again, if your Bible has headings, it's going to say something like a prayer of repentance. And for those of you that may not know the context of this chapter, you need to understand it because it is beautiful. I mean, it it makes it so much more powerful. Here, this is a prayer that David writes soon after his sin with Bathsheba. And the prophet comes to David and says, David, you have sinned. You have wronged God. And this is part of the reason why I believe the Bible says of David that he was a man after God's own heart. Because unlike some other people in scripture who hear the word of the prophet, who hear, wait a second, I just did something wrong. And and instead of hardening their hearts and saying, nope, nope, I don't want to hear it. David, on the other hand, says, oh my, you're right. I, I can't believe what I've just done And he says, I've just sinned. I've sinned against God. Please forgive me. And so the prayer starts in verse one by saying, have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitudes of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin of adultery and murder. Please cleanse me for I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is always before for me against you and you only have I sinned. And so he continues this prayer of repentance. It is a beautiful prayer. But in verse 10, he says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a, a steadfast spirit within me. This is the part of the chapter that we probably know best because there's a song that we sometimes sing, right? Create in me a clean heart. Oh, Lord, my God. I won't keep on singing because I want you guys to stay. And it's part of the chapter that we know best. Creating me a clean heart, oh God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. He says, restore to me the joy of your salvation. In other words, give me once again that 
affirmation, that confidence that I once had that I was saved. I've lost that. Please re- restore that joy to me. That, I, that, that joy where I know I'm saved. Then he says, I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners shall be converted to you. So is what David talking about here, what he will do, is that evangelism? Here he's saying, God, please forgive me. Please restore me. Please create in me a clean heart. And when you do that, I will go and I will evangelize. I will tell others the good news. I will tell others what you have done for me is what is taking place here that David says he will do. Is it evangelism? All right, here's another scenario. Turn to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, starting with verse 1. The beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. It's called the Sermon on the Mount because it's a sermon that Jesus gave on the Mount. See, the Bible is not that complicated. The Sermon on the Mount. In verse 1, he says, And seeing the multitudes, maybe this sounds a little bit more like what we think of traditionally when we think of evangelism. And seeing the multitudes, he went up on the mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him, and he, Jesus, opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the poor in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And he continues here in a beautiful sermon all through chapter 5, chapter 6, and um, chapter 7. He gives this message to the multitudes who are gathered there on the mountain. Is that evangelism? I want now to take a look at the word evangelism in Scripture. Because I think if we take a close look at that word in Scripture, we will understand that every single one of these scenarios that I have mentioned is indeed evangelism. And so I'm going to share with you some Greek words here. And I don't often like to do this because one of my pet peeves is when pastors give a message that goes over the people's heads. I mean, what's the point of that, right? You come to church and, you know, the, the, the preacher talks and, you know, brings out all these Greek words and you walk away and you go, what in the world was the pastor talking about today? So I'm going to try and, and break this down so that you can understand these words that I'm about to share with you. The first word that I want to share with you is eu 
Angelion. All right. See, that sounds complicated already, right? Are some of you already phasing me out? I need you back. I need you back. These are important words. I'm going to break it down. You're really going to enjoy if you stick with me on this one, okay? Eu angelion. It is a Greek word that is made up of actually two words put together. The first one, eu, eu, which means good. Now, you can remember that. That's easy. Eu, good. Right? That's what that word means. So the next time you're reading through your Greek manuscript and you come across the word EU, you know it means good. The second word here is angelion, which means message or news. Message or news. But just remember the word message because now. You're going to start putting some things together here. Angelion, anybody here know Spanish? What does that word sound like? Sounds like angel, right? It's where we get the word angel from. And what does the the name angel or the word angel mean? It means messenger, okay? So you have eu good, angelion, message. Angelio, angel, is a messenger, Okay, so this word is used 77 times in Scripture. Let's go through it right now. No, I'm not going to do that. We'd be here all afternoon and all night. But it is used 77 times in all of Scripture. Eu angelion, which simply means good message or good news which the old English word for that is gospel. Does that make sense? So the gospel message, the good news, eu angelion, a good message is used 77 times in all of scripture. The good news of, of course, referring to the good news of Jesus Christ. The second word I want to share with you is eu What does that mean? Good. We know that one. That one's easy. Eu, good. And angelizo. It's a little different, but it sounds kind of the same, right? Angelizo. What does this mean? Again, you have good, right? And over here you have angelizo, which means to bring good news. Okay? So you have eu angelizio. What does it mean? To bring good news. The Bible usually translates this as to proclaim or to preach. So whenever you see in your, in your Bible where it says to preach the word of God or to proclaim the word of God, what it is saying is it is a good message to proclaim or to preach. Eu angelizio. All right? Now, the third word that I want to mention to you today, and it's the one that we're going to focus a little bit closely here because it's really going to unpack what evangelism means, is eu angelistes. Now, if there's any Greek scholars out there and I'm mispronouncing these words, I'm sorry. I have a hard time pronouncing some English words, so bear with me, all right? 
But this word, oh, by the way, ang, um, eu angelizo is used 55 times in scripture. In other words, to preach or to proclaim the good news. It's used 55 times. This word, eu angelistis, is only used three times in all of scripture. What does this mean? Okay, two words. Once again, eu, what does eu mean? Good. And angelistis now means, check this out, one who proclaims the good message. Okay? So you have eu angelion, which is simply a good message. Then you have eu angelizo, which means to bring or to preach or to proclaim the good message. But now we have a word that says eu angelistis, which is one who proclaims the good news. And how do you think this word is translated in all of scripture? Those three times, all three times, it is translated evangelist. An evangelist. One who shares or one who preaches or one who proclaims the good news of Jesus Christ, the good message. Let's look at those three verses real quick. The first one is found in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 21. Acts chapter 21. Acts chapter 21 verse 8. Acts chapter 21, verse 8. And it says this. On the day, on the next day, we who were Paul's companions departed and came to Caesarea and entered the house of Philip, the evangelist, who was one of the seven and stayed with him. Philip was known as one who shared the good news or the good message of Jesus Christ. Wouldn't it be cool to be known by that name when they refer to you? Oh, yeah, Mark, he's the evangelist. Yeah, not the one that gets paid to go around the country from church to church, right, to share the good news. No, 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 no. They know you as an evangelist, as we now are understanding the word, because wherever you are, it doesn't matter in what context or what scenario, you want to share what God has done in your life. It doesn't matter if you're in the grocery store. It doesn't matter if you're at the workplace. It doesn't matter if you're at home. Man, that Philip guy, he's an evangelist. He's always proclaiming the good message of Jesus Christ. Here, the Bible refers to him as an evangelist, someone who proclaims, someone who preaches, someone who shares the good message of Jesus Christ. The second time in Scripture that this word is used is found in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, 
here, Paul is talking or writing to the church in Ephesus, and he is sharing with them different spiritual gifts, right? And he's sharing with them, listen, the Holy Spirit leads some to be teachers and some to be preachers. And this is what he says in verse 11. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. I think it's very interesting that every time this word is used in scripture, the writer is trying to convey that evangelism isn't something you do as much as it is something that you are. In other words, it's not something that you set out to do. No, it's something that you become. You know, some churches have a mentality that says, all right, man, that was a doozy. We just got done with that evangelistic crusade. We don't need to do evangelism again till next fall. You know, because we do evangelism once a year. No, we don't do evangelism once a year. We are evangelism. We are the church. We are the ones who bring the message, the good news to the community, to people. We share it. It's not something that we chalk up and say, cross that one off the list because we got it done for this year. We, we, we don't have to do evangelism again until next spring or next fall. No. Every time the word, the Bible uses this word, it, it kind of brings this connotation that it's not so much something that you do, it's something that you become. You are an evangelist. You are someone who takes you, you take the, the good news and you share it with someone. And the last time in scripture that this word is used is found in 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy, and, and this is really going to clear things up in, in case you're still a little fuzzy on it. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 5. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Um, actually, we'll, we'll start with verse 1. Let's start reading from verse 1. 2 Timothy chapter 4, starting with verse 1. It says, I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering, patience, and teaching. Verse 3, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. I don't know about you. But sometimes I feel like we're already living in those days. Sometimes I, it comes across like we're already living in a time where people refuse and they reject and they run away from sound doctrine. You know, it doesn't matter if it's sound, if it's truth. It doesn't matter if it comes from God's word. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. And, and whatever makes sense to me, well, that's what I'm going to do. Paul is saying here to Timothy, listen, there's going to come a time when people reject sound doctrine. He says here in verse 3, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers 
In other words, they will go around and they will find teachers that are teaching what they believe. They will find individuals who are teaching what they desire. In other words, no change, no surrender, no falling into God's will. No, no, this is how I feel. This is how I think. And guess what? So-and-so over here is teaching that. Or so-and-so is preaching this over here. Therefore, I believe in them as opposed to believing what the word of God says and allowing the word of God to pierce into the heart and change the heart and surrender to the word of God, surrender to sound doctrine. And so it says here in verse five, but you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions. By the way, Paul is writing this letter to Timothy while he's in prison. So, I mean, just think about that when he writes, listen, Timothy, endure affliction. You know, I'm not just telling you to do something. No, no, I'm, I'm going through the affliction right now. And I'm telling you, if I can do it, you can do it through the power of the Holy Spirit. Be watchful in all things, endure affliction, and then listen to this. Do the work of an evangelist. In other words, do the work of being one who takes eu, who takes what is good and takes it and shares it, preaches it, proclaims it. Be the one, be an evangelist, he says. Do the work of an evangelist. Just take what is good, that good message. Be the one and share it with a dying world. And just to finish up here, it says, do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. And so the call, for every one of us here today is really for all of us to be an evangelist. We've all been called to be an evangelist. You know, sometimes and unfortunately pastors have attributed to this that we, we, we take over the responsibility that really belongs to the church and to the church members. And so we've been guilty of this. We've been guilty of saying, you know what? You, you don't know enough. You, you really can't do it. Therefore, let me bring in an expert in and let him evangelize the city. Let him do evangelism. Oh, we cannot be further from the truth. Because God calls all of us in this room, everyone who is listening, to be an evangelist. To take the good news and share it. To be the one who takes the good news and shares it with the community. Now remember, you don't need any kind of special training for this. It's already been shown. And time and time again in all of Scripture, we see men and women who don't have any training, who haven't been through, through Bible studies or, or haven't been through, through seminary. No, no, they don't know Greek. They don't know Hebrew. But we see men and women in Scripture who once they have encountered God, they go and they evangelize. They go and become evangelists for Jesus Christ. Now here... Here's what I'm encouraging everyone here in, in this place here today. I'm encouraging every, I am challenging everyone here to be an evangelist. 
Not just think of evangelism as something that you do once a year. Not think of evangelism as something that you do. Think of evangelism as something that you become. You are an evangelist for Christ. Now, I know that I have uncovered a problem. Because I know that there are some who are here today or who are listening to me on the radio who think, Pastor Q, I listen to what you're saying and I would love to be an evangelist, but I just don't have any good news to share. I just don't know what to share. And if you're someone who is struggling with that, I need to remind you and I need to now just speak to you one-on-one. And I need to say to you, you need to get into the word of God. You need to start studying the word of God. You need to get yourself into a Bible study, maybe with a group of guys or with a group of of ladies. You need to start studying the word of God because there is no way, there is just absolutely no way that if you're reading the word of God and, and you come across this passage that says, After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scriptures might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on hyssop, and put it into his mouth. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. And then just a few verses later, now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. There is no way that if you are reading the word of God, you can be silent Because this word of God is jam-packed with good news that while we were still sinners, Jesus came and died on the cross for you and for me. That if you are in Christ, there is no condemnation. That if you confess your sins, he is faithful to forgive. That you come to me as you are. If you're reading the word of God, you will have plenty of good news to go and be an evangelist. So here's my challenge for everyone here today. To be an evangelist, to be the one, be the one who goes and shares the good news of Jesus Christ. And if you are struggling with knowing what to say, I'm I'm telling you, just get into the word. Start studying the word to find a translation that makes sense to you and just start studying the word of God because as you read the goodness of God, I'm telling you, you will have a good message to share and you will be an evangelist for Jesus Christ. So when we talk about what is evangelism, basically it is to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And you know who's involved in that? It's not just the evangelist. It's not just the pastor. 
It is everyone who has experienced the goodness and grace of Jesus Christ that is right. You are an evangelist. So be the one. Be the one to go and be an evangelist for Christ. And if you're struggling with knowing what to say, maybe you're, you're in a place where you're like, you know what, everything is just going wrong. I have nothing good to share. I'm encouraging you, get into the word. Get into the word of God because there you will discover the goodness and grace of Jesus Christ. And you will, like the woman at the well, like David, even like Jesus, you will go and share the good message of our Father, God, our Father in heaven. Lord, we want to thank you and we want to praise you today. I want to thank you that evangelism doesn't just fall on my shoulders. (laughs) Evangelism is for all of us. From young to old, it doesn't matter what ministry if we are intentional about sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, whether it's adventurers, pathfinders, women's ministries, men's ministries, whether it's the, our choir, vacation Bible school, whether it's a series of meetings that we have, if we are intentional about sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, whether it's at home with our children or with our spouse, maybe at work, maybe in our neighborhood, if we're intentional about sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, we are evangelists. God, we can't do this without your help. So we're asking for the power of your Holy Spirit to just be poured out on this place. And as we leave this place, just help us to take up the challenge that's been laid out before us to be an evangelist, to take the good news of Jesus Christ, to share what Christ has done in our lives and share it with someone. Father God, we thank you and we praise you. I also want to lift up those who are listening who might feel like they don't have any good news. God, just remind them. Remind them of your goodness Remind them of your grace that's new every morning. Remind them that because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, and because we are in Christ, there is no condemnation. And we simply await your soon return as you work in our lives. God, help them to experience the joy of your salvation so that they too can become an evangelist for you. God, we thank you and we praise you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. No matter where you are in your spiritual journey, Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church would love to help you along the way. We are a family-oriented, grace-filled church serving the Frederick, Maryland area. You can learn more about us at frederick.sdachurch.org. For more podcasts, click the sermon audio link. 